0: Well, things are about to get a little emotional around the McDaniel house. Um, Things are about to change in the next month and a half. Most of you all know this, but uh, my one our one and only uh, firstborn child, uh, daughter, uh, to top that all off, is about to get married. And I'm going to be an emotional basket case, I know, on her wedding day. Uh, some of you men who have given away your daughter, um, you can come counsel me. Uh, give me some pointers on that. Uh, the problem with uh, my role is I'm giving her away and then turning right around on the stage and performing the ceremony. So I'm marrying her at the same time. Uh, so there's going to be a whole lot of tears and, and all that. Now, the tears are, 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 are good. I have a very good relationship with my daughter and... Excited about who she's marrying, and the future that, that is tied up in that, and the, the potential that's tied up in that. just a beautiful thing. We even have our own little secret handshake that we've had for a long time. I'm going to let you in on our secret handshake uh, today. It'll be corny to you, but it's cute to us, okay? So just give me an, a, a, at least a courtesy chuckle at, at the end, all right? And uh, she's my one and only, and so I call her and make sure she knows she's my one and only, and so we hold hold up our little pinkies to each other, and we, we, we lock pinkies, and we say, one and only. Uh, okay, that's better. Okay. The first service, it was dead cold. <laughs> Y'all have heart, at least. I had to prompt you, but you have heart. Um, you know, we're excited about it. Here's a photo uh, of, uh, of, of the cute little couple uh, out in the field. And we're excited about Tiernan McGrath. Uh, he's, a, he's a great young man. And we believe they're going to have a great life together and produce many, many offspring for us to, to, to spoil and have fun uh, with as, as they go. But we're sad. We're sad because she's no longer going to be a McDaniel. And, uh, that means something, uh, to our family. And Josh has even said that. She's not gonna be a McDaniel anymore. She'll still be a Mick She's just gonna be a McGrath. And so, I uh, you know, that's a good thing. Uh, that's not, that's not all bad. She carries a part of our name with us, I guess. Uh, and so the other, there's also, there's tears of joy because, uh, because, I mean, again, she's marrying a, a good, into a good family. You know, when you come to the family element, I just, there's this, there's this again, there's sadness and joy and excitement and anticipation and all that's wrapped up into the forming of a new family. And you think about when God created the world, flung the, flung the stars into space and created all the animals and created Adam and he, everything was good. When he was finished with Adam, he says, it's not good. Not complete. It's not there. It's not finished. He brought from, from Adam a woman. And uh, then he said it's good. Now it's complete. Now this is the way it's supposed to be. For richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death is to part. That's the way God put it together, never to be separated uh, again. And God, whenever he did this creative order, he did it, as we learned last week, for his pleasure. It was purely for his pleasure that he created this, this cosmos that we live in. And it is a beautiful thing. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, it says, You, God, created everything, and for your pleasure, that it was for your pleasure that they exist and were created. So we realize when we're answering the question, What on earth are we here for? we realize one of the things that we're here for is for God's pleasure. And we need to embrace that and live in that. And we'll find much joy in our life when we live with that ambition and goal in life to bring pleasure to our Creator God. I mean, what, what greater joy than whenever a child brings pleasure to his parents do they also have the joy of bringing pleasure to their, to their children? And the same goes. But it doesn't just end there with you. That God has created you and for His good pleasure. He created you for a much larger community. It's a, it's a bigger picture than just you and me walking on, alone a, on the planet Earth. But in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, it says, God is the one who made all things, and all things are for His glory. He wanted to have many children to share His glory. He wanted to have many children. To share His glory. So part of His great cosmic plan in creating you, giving you breath and bringing order to your life is for His pleasure, but it's even more so. It's that there would be many of His creations. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, you can't get probably a clearer understanding of why God created us when He says His unchanging plan, His purpose, His desire, His blueprint for humanity was what? has always been to adopt into His own family by bringing us into Himself through Jesus Christ. There's so much in that verse, I can't unpack it today. But just think about it. What's God's purpose for my life? What's God's plan for my life? What's God's big blueprint out there? Part of it has to do with something about being in His family. So let's just unpack that a little bit. What does it mean, a part of me being created for His pleasure, me being created for His pleasure to be a part of some great big family thing. This great big family reunion that we, that we come together on. We need to unpack that and unravel that a little bit. Now in, in God's plan, in sending His Son Jesus, in Matthew, He tells us that in His plan, His desire was to start the church. He called it the church. His family is called the church. It wasn't my invention. It wasn't your invention. It wasn't some other great guy's invention out there. It was God's invention that this family, that you were, let me back up and further. You were created for His pleasure. You were also created to be a part of a family. A part of his family, a huge family, a big family, that we would come together under, uh, under, under him as our leader, and we would, in that family, connect with one another, bond with another, one another, cry with one another, live with one another, uh, do life with one another, and that we would find fulfillment with one another. That there is a one another element out there. Now, I read a book a long time ago. as a Classic, if you will, by now, in just personal leadership. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Stephen Covey, don't agree with his theology, but de- certainly agree with, with what he said a lot about on leadership. And one of the things he points out about mankind, he says, mankind is firstborn dependent. Now, that's true. You give birth to a baby, they can't feed themselves, water themselves, take themselves out to the pasture. They can't do any of that kind of stuff. They are totally dependent upon you. And you spend the rest of your 18 years with them trying to get them what? Independent. You want to move them from dependent to independent every step, every day of their life. Now, if you just stop there, you haven't completed it. Because Covey brings out that actually we've moved from dependence to independence. But when we really understand life, we move to interdependence. That I can't go it alone. That I do need others in my life. I, it's, I'm not on my own. I shouldn't be an island. I shouldn't try to be an island. If I go on my own, I will most likely fail and fail miserably. And so therefore, I think in God's great order of, of mankind, He brings together His family. He calls it the church. 1 Peter chapter 2, out of the message, it says, Love your spiritual family. Learning how to love your spiritual family is a big part of coming together as a family. Now, again, we live in an individualistic, individual uh, kind of society. And when we do that, we show ourselves to be, uh, I think, uh, a lesser individual. When we try to go it alone, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, I think we're missing some things. Uh, I think uh, Randy Frazee in his book, The Connecting Church, brings out the contrast in this. He says, think of, when we live in this individualistic society, we think of myself over thinking of others. I think of lawsuits over reconciliation. Individual rights over community responsibilities. Career advancement over company loyalty. Cynicism over trust. Relative truth over absolute truth. Now you just line, draw a line down the middle of those statements and you'll find the individualistic side on one side and you'll find... Those that are interdependent in realizing that we are connected together, we gotta to learn to live together, work together, and, and, and do life together, that that's on the right side. And I think we, we, we become a better in humanity, <laughs> we become better in the world, we become certainly better in the kingdom of God when we learn the value of one another. Of coming together, connecting together, and seeing that as part of God's plan. When we don't do life together, what do we do? We do it in isolation. When you do it in isolation, what's the result of that? Well, not good. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1 points out, The one who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound judgment. So going it alone is not a part of God's order. In fact, in God's perfect world, think about it like this for a moment. When God created the heavens and the earth, when God created the stars, when God created Adam and Eve, it was a perfect world. And it says, even in the beginning of time, Elohim created him. That's the word El, meaning God in Hebrew. Elohim, meaning the plurality of God, that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they themselves live in community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, themselves model community. And whenever in a perfect world, in a perfect time, in a perfect place, even when God looked at Adam, He says, it's not good for you to be alone. You need a helper. You need to be with someone. He created us. We live better when we are in community with one another. So let's just understand, in God's perfect order, in God's perfect plan, that we need to have that uh, in, in, in our in our lives 1 John 4, verse 21 says, The person who loves God must also love other believers. Now one of the things to go back to why we're excited about Jordan getting married and, and looking at that is one of the things that we look at that marriage, that forming marriage, and one of the things that my years of, pastoring and pastoral counseling that I see that they bring to the table with one another is they bring both a compliment and a challenge and I think most good relationships there's a complimenting element but there's also a challenging element there's not the challenging only where you just run over each other there's not the compliment only where you're, we're just always ooshy gushy and ever, and, and there's, there's, there's no challenge in there. I think that they bring that together. And I think if you find a good, healthy family of faith, you're going to find a compliment and you're going to find a challenge to your life and to your faith all along. Now, what I want us to do today is I want us to scan a bunch of verses again. But I also want us to look at 1 Timothy. So take your Bibles and open to 1 Timothy. And we're going to look at a very succinct passage that I think rolls a lot of this up together for us in the value of the community of God that in a word is called the church. And that God has created us for community and you find that community in God's church. So in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 says, I hope to come to you soon, Paul is away, Timothy is in Ephesus pastoring the church. Paul's away, he said, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know, what, what do you want to know? He wants them to know how they ought to behave in the household of God. In the household of God. Which, in one word, is the church. Of the living God. Oh, what is the church? Well, the church is a pillar and a buttress of truth. Now, there's several key phrases in there. He calls it the household of God, the community of God. God has created us to be in community, and in this community, if you want to be in the best possible community, then let's call it the church. And then what is the church supposed to do? It's supposed to be the anchor, the pillar, the buttress of truth. All right? So as we live out our days in this world, and we try to figure out life and relationships and jobs and health and whatever else that we try to figure out, what is one thing you can hold fast to? Hopefully you can reach your arm back, you can reach your life back, and you're going to be holding tightly to a solid community of faith called the church. That you'll hold and anchor your life to, that you will not, you'll be able to weather the storms, you'll be able to sort through life, you'll be able to figure things out, because you are tied to the church. Now, let me say this as a disclaimer, because you might think, okay, Mike, you're just trying to get more and more and more members at your church. No, absolutely not. But I'll say this, if Grace Point isn't for you, you need to find a church. You need to find a body of believers that will both complement you and challenge you, uh, where you can be in that community of faith and you can grow and you can tie yourself back to and you will know how to conduct yourself in the household of God. So how is it that we can conduct ourselves? There's levels of involvement, if you will. And so let's just choose. You pinpoint what level you're at. You may not even be at level one today, but maybe you need to be at level one. And if you're at level one, then that's great. Let's go to, let's go to level two today. And if you're at two, then let's go to three. And so just kind of see your first level here it is, is membership, where you choose to belong. Now that's not all on you, but it's a lot on you, where you choose to belong to a member as a member of a body. Now let me say this. Membership has been dumbed down in our culture. You join as a member of the Rotary Club. Pay your dues. That's alright. You join a a sports team, and you're on for a while, and you're off. You join a a gym, but you don't ever show up, you know. You join, and as long as you're paying your dues, you're a good member of a golf club, or whatever it may be. And that idea of membership is a sorry idea of membership, and it's not the biblical idea of membership. When you look at the Scripture and its idea of membership, look at this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. You are members of God's very own family. And you belong to God's household with every other Christian. You, if you're a follower of Christ, you are a member of God's own family. Now, you don't take that lightly. So, the very first level you need to be thinking of do I belong? You might believe, but do you belong? Believing is part of it. In fact, here's a life principle for you. The Christian life isn't just about believing. I believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus. We all believe in Jesus. We're all happy, right? It's more than that. But it's also about belonging. A baseball player is only good if he's on a baseball team. A a tuba player is only as good as long as he's in an orchestra. Otherwise, he sounds horrible. A doctor is only as good as long as he has a nurse beside him. In an operating room in a hospital, you know the the best of doctors, the best of baseball players, the best of tuba players are only as good as that they operate inside of a team. You're only going to be as good and walk your walk with God as you operate inside of God's family. Learning how to belong is just as important as learning how to believe. If you believe right, that's. The first step but belonging is right there behind that in christ we are many a uh, form one body romans 12 says and each member belongs to all the others so i belong to you and you belong to me we belong to each other now look across the room and find somebody you don't know now that probably took you two seconds Now you can look across the room and find somebody that you do know. Hopefully that only took one second. Because maybe you're sitting next to somebody. The point I'm trying to make is there's a roll of the dice of whether or not you know the people sitting right there next to you. Right there in front of you. My challenge to you, if you're going to be a part of God's community, you're going to take it seriously enough that you're going to not just believe right, but you're going to belong well. You're going to belong to the body and the family of God in a very healthy manner. This is what we proclaim, 1 Corinthians 12, out of the message. In word and action, when we were baptized, each of us is now a part of his resurrection body. So how do you move to membership then? If that's the first level, how do you move into that membership belonging level? One is you choose to follow Christ. You can't be a part of the body of Christ. <laughs> you can't be a part of the family of Christ until you, first of all, choose to follow Him. If you receive Him, He tells us in John one twelve that you'll become His children. So I, I, I know I'm, I'm, not, I'm not splitting atoms here. and This is not rocket science here. But truly, let's, let's embrace number one and not just assume it. Do you belong to Christ? Are you a child of God? If you've not received him, let's not even talk about church membership. Because it starts in a membership relationship with Christ. Number two, follow God's lead to a church. Now again, I'm going to say, I'm going to put this disclaimer on here. I really don't care if you join Grace Point or not. Wherever you go, go and plant yourself. And watch God bloom you. Be there and be all there. Plant yourself and let God add you to his mix just as he did in Acts chapter 2. Well, how do you find a good church? What do you look for in a church? I'm going to let you kind of determine that, set some criteria for that. But let me just tell you one of the things I would say. Uh, uh, Arthur Rubinstein, a famous concert pianist, was in New York City one time. And he was asked if he wanted to go to church one day. He said this, take me to the church that will challenge me to attempt the impossible. I want to be a part of a church that's going to call me out of my comfort zone. It's going to call me out of the familiar. It's going to take take me places that I've never gone before. It's going to call me to live like I've never lived before. Find you a church that will call the best out of you. It will challenge you. And also give you the opportunity uh, to grow. Number, number three is identify with Christ in baptism. It's one of the best ways, first ways, that we identify with Christ. Our next baptism is June 8th. You can go online today and sign up for that. If you're a follower of Christ, you feel like God's leading you to grace point, it's time to do it. Let's go to level number two. Level number two is friendship level. We go from membership to friendship. Hopefully you'll move to friendship soon. That's when you learn to start sharing. Is when you start opening up. If you're just a member, that's one thing. If you've got a friendship, now you're giving of yourself and making yourself available. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 says, All the believers met together constantly and shared everything in common. Two things that they did they met together and they shared together, they met together and they shared together. The only way you're going to share is if you meet. And, and if you meet and you start sharing, then you're going to start finding a relationship form on a much deeper level. What do, you, what do you share when you're together? We do this in body life groups on a very large part. That's where the family becomes smaller and connected and we the relationships can form. You share experiences. That's one of the certain things that we can share out there. You can learn from me and I can learn from you. You can challenge me and I can challenge you. You can compliment me and I can compliment each other as iron sharpens iron. We can do that as we walk together. Also share your homes. That's what I love about body life groups is you open up your home, you open up your life. People come in, people come a part of your, uh, of your, of your family and lives together. And they, they met in their homes, but also listen to this. It's not this superficial stuff either. If you're going to deepen into friendship level, you're going to share your problems and your pains. You're going to share life with them. You're going to go through the ups and the downs with them. You're going to weep with them when they're weeping, and you're going to rejoice with them when they're rejoicing. Galatians 6, 2, read it out loud with me. Share each other's troubles and problems. Now, that's hard because that means I have to be vulnerable and transparent. Transparent. But are you willing to go there? Because if you're willing to go there, then you're going to go to that second level of what really means to be a part of a church. And that kinship, that friendship level is a beautiful thing. Now, the problem is, is that nobody wants to go through pains and troubles. But the reality is that's, that's part of life. But isn't it beautiful whenever you have a family of faith that will walk through you, can't take the pain away, can't replace the loss, can't fix all the problems, but will just walk with you. We'll just weep with you and we'll just pray with you. And if you stay distant and arm's length, it'll never happen. Some dear family joined our church just several months ago. But just three weeks ago, they went through a horrific event in their life. Will Corporan and his family went through the, the loss of his father and nephew in the tragic slaying in Kansas City that was on the news. I shared it a few weeks ago, actually on Easter Sunday, the week following, because it happened on Palm Sunday after we had had services. Otherwise, we would have mentioned it in there. But how sad and how horrible it was for Will to experience that. But on that Sunday afternoon, he and I talked for some time as they were packing and shuffling and moving and going up to Kansas City to be with family as he lost his dad in a, a gun down situation, and his nephew. And it's still raw, it's still real, but I've asked Will to come and share with me today. Well, I must say, this is very unrehearsed. Uh, it's not something you want to rehearse. Um, Will, just first of all, tell us how's your sister, how's your mother?
1: Um, they're doing I, I say they're doing okay. That's kind of the, the rote answer. That they're fairly miserable, um, but they're getting on with things as best they can. <clears throat> um, uh, obviously very hurt, very sad. Um, you know, How often do you
0: talk to them? Uh,
1: pretty much daily. My mom, two or three times a day. Um, they, my mom and my sister and brother all live within a few miles of each other and up in, uh, near Overland Park. So, uh, we're the, we're, we're down here. Um, I talked to him quite a bit. Um, it's been difficult for my, my sister, obviously with, um, you know, losing her oldest boy. Um, it's been hard for my mom, although my mom has said several times, you know, that my dad, even though he was healthy and working and active, you know, he'd lived 69 years. And, and I even said at the time, you know, my dad would have gladly, just said, you know, please just just take me, you know, mm-hmm. spare my grandson, it wasn't given that opportunity. Cuz street was um, 14. 14, he'll be 15, would have been 15 in about 2 weeks. Hmm. Um, and so anyway, you know, the healing I guess has begun if it, you know, I guess.
0: It's going to take a long time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, How are you doing? Um probably the same. I mean, I have moments Mm-hmm. Um. You know, it's it's not very far off, of you know, my mind. I mean, mm-hmm. it. Um, I'm back to work, and uh, but it but it comes and goes. I mean, mm-hmm. it'll just odd times. It just pops into my head, and um, so it, it's it's difficult. It's and, never uh, far from your head. No, it's yeah. not. And and with my wife, you know, Heather and the kids and our little girl, who's almost two. You know, that's the real tragedy when I see her, you know she's never going to really know her her granddad and yeah. that's that's just um that's that's really unbearable how
0: you've only been in, in Grace Point for about a year
1: now Easter Sunday a year ago was our first um our first visit here, and uh we really enjoyed it. You said a minute ago, how do you find it I, I don't really know we just enjoyed it it felt mm-hmm. good and so uh, uh, we liked it, and we went through North Point class in September and joined, um, and uh, got involved in uh, uh, the music ministry. Pl- are playing today, yeah, actually. Yeah, and which I love. I was Music's been a, a huge part of my life. My mom and, was a choir director in our little church of about 100 members mm-hmm. growing up, and my dad and I sang in the choir, even when I was in junior high, you know, I was yeah. in, in the choir, so it was a big part of our life. so that's a lot of fun. Um, went through baptism in, in December. Um, which uh, I'd never wanted, I was never one to publicly ever in my life want to profess anything related to religion. I was always very um, bashful or shy about it. It just wasn't part of the Methodist tradition growing up, but, for whatever reason, you know, the tradition really in the North Point class talking uh, about the tradition mm-hmm. of this school and, or school, this church mm-hmm. and the, the immersion uh, baptism. I just all of a sudden I was just very calm about it and said, yeah. you know, that's really what I want to do. And, um, and as I told you, I, I really feel like without all those steps, this church and, and you know, many other things mm-hmm. on back in my life, there's no way that that I myself or we as a family, my wife. Um, would have been prepared to deal with this.
0: And that's the crazy thing about that. When I think about a year ago, I mean, just literally a year ago, because Easter was just just back there, it was the end of March last year. Mm-hmm. And you've gone through so much, not knowing any of this was going to happen three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and one of the things you said to me out in the foyer was, you think that God was preparing you, through that journey of faith and recommitment and mm-hmm. baptism and becoming a part of the church and now serving that was a back to the that the church is the pillar and the buttress of truth absolutely it gave you a, it's given you even to this present a, a strength
1: absolutely i you know we we certainly don't believe and when i say we i'm speaking for me and my my wife my family my sister my mom we don't believe that God does evil things right. God does not kill people murder no. people he didn't put the gun the evil in that man's heart yeah. um, but he prepared us to deal with that Yeah. and we're counting on him to, and, and, and he is to, to show us a way that good can come from that and it's happening um, but if those things hadn't happened there's just no way I think I'd have been a puddle of goo yeah. You know, all this, I just don't think we'd have been able to handle that. Um, and it's just amazing how it's all kind of come together. And, you know, you never know. I mean, yeah. looking back, I mean, the randomness of that yeah. acts and how it uh, totally random. I mean, it's yeah. just, it makes no sense at all. Um, at I mean, the, 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 the thief comes way. to
0: steal, kill, mm-hmm. and destroy. Yeah. And, you know, to some degree, to some degree, uh, Satan got a little bit there. But in the larger degree, he's not going to win.
1: Absolutely not. Because
0: those those two men, young man and granddad, are are obviously together in a better place because they were both Christ followers. Absolutely. And uh, and that that's a beautiful thing.
1: And we've been able to celebrate their life in a way and their lives in a way that um, has really been an honor to both of them and, and I think, to the church. I mean, we've yeah. been able to publicly... in in an international way, been able to really publicly um, celebrate them in their faith and our faith as a family, which I think is um, God smiling down and saying, you know, I've got got your back.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you a question. How can we be in your life as your church family, if we're your family as Scripture points to, how can we be a part of your life in helping you move forward? Because here's the reality, sad reality about our culture is You experience a tragic, horrible, ungodly situation like that. People take off work for a couple hours, go to a memorial service, bake a casserole. But when that casserole's gone, everybody goes back to work, you're still left empty.
1: I think grief, and and I speak, we've never experienced anything like this. You know, and most people certainly have. Everybody loses somebody, but, um, you know, this is a little bit extreme obviously but but I think people have a hard time dealing with that kind of grief and, and to my way of thinking it's just just pray Yeah, we felt and I, I, as I've told you I, I feel so connected now in a way to humanity yeah. that we never did we just felt all the prayers from everybody just oh, lifting God. us up we could really feel it and so we need prayers continually and um, you know Nobody knows what to say because there is absolutely nothing to say yeah. other than I'm so sorry and I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you. And um, and you that's know. okay, though. And they that, don't have that, to have the no. answers. There, is, there are no answers. <laughs> there, there's no no, there's, no answer that will justify the wrong
0: that done. No was magic God. words. And I love what Paul said when he said, Weep with those who are weeping. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing." So maybe right yeah. now what, what the Corcoran family needs more than anything is just family weeping with family. And yep. walking with you in prayer. and You said so many times, text messages, phone calls, Facebook messages, we had back and forth. We're feeling the prayers. Yes. And so continue that and yes. walk with you as best we can. That's Thank it. you. Well, you can't ask us to pray for you and us not pray for you. So we're going to pray for you right now, continuously. So let's just join together your hearts with mine and let's pray for Will and the family. Father. We trust you, the giver of life, the sustainer of life, that you know every day that we have and every, every moment that we have. And Lord, your word tells us it's but a vapor and it's gone. I don't think that this is what you meant. This is a wrong and it's an injustice. And we don't like it. And in fact, we hate the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Lord, we thank You that Will and his family were solid believers. Thank You that the Church of the Resurrection there in Overland Park has surrounded that family. And Lord, and Will is here with us. And we need to surround him. And we need to be the body of Christ, the family of Christ that shares in his pain and the loss. And we will stand with him and his family As they grieve. Father's Day is around the corner. And for Will it will be different than any other Father's Day. Holidays will come. Every day will be another day. And so Father we pray that we will be reminded. And that we will walk with one another. In times like this. Together. Weeping together. And when it's time to rejoice. Rejoicing together. Lord we bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you support Will by giving him a round of applause? It takes a lot to stand up here. When we reach that friendship level, we will share pains together. Number three is partnership level. And I think when we partner together, we move beyond just sharing each other's pains and lives and, and homes and rejoicing with one another. But now when we start working together, there's nothing like going on a global adventure and finding yourself partnering with one another. There's nothing like taking on a classroom and, of, of preschoolers and partnering with one another. And we are called to partner with one another, to work along beside, doing our part in the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says we are partners working together for God. What is your ministry? We have a motto around here. Every member is a minister and every ministry is meaningful. If you are a part in a membership relationship with this church, where is your ministry? Be finding it, identifying it, getting ready to find it. We're having an expo in a few weeks. But you just be praying about your own heart and your own life. Because if you're not going to find a place of ministry, I promise you, you will be a short-termer here. You will be here today, gone tomorrow. Irving McManus in his great book, An Unstoppable Force, he said, When being a church attendee is not culturally expected responsibility, a person who attends but does not begin to serve will drop out within a year. One can ponder all the research, studies, and how to assimilate new members and new believers into the body of Christ, but it comes down to one simple variable. If people begin to serve, they stick. Where are you serving? Where are you a part of this family? If it's not this family, again, find that family and be a part. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. The whole body is fitted together perfectly. Each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. I said last week, and I want you to hear it again, just to function, just in the essential ministries, week to week to week, it takes so many volunteers, 250 plus volunteers to make things happen here week to week. Now, if you're not called here, don't serve here. But if you're called here, plant yourself here and let God bloom you. Become partners in this work of God. How do you do it week after week? How do you change dirty nappies in the the baby room? How do you teach children week after week? Because it's not something that's going to come easy and you're going to go through the, the hills and the valleys. But hear this. What if we would learn to see our student ministry on Wednesday night? and seeing the children on Sunday morning, and seeing guests that come in for the first time. For the very first time, I had a family, friends, that came today, first service, never seen them before in church, and I'm just like blown away, I'm so excited about it. But what if you were the first person to shake that first person's hand when they first got out of the car? What a difference you could make in their life. That's when we become partners. Mother Teresa was asked the question, how do you sustain yourself? Day after day, looking at poverty, looking at all of this. She said, every person I bathe, every person I bandage, I imagine seeing the face of Jesus and I do it for him. What you do in this church or any other church, because you're part of the community of God, you do it, I pray, because you're looking in the face of God, doing the work of God as partners with God. Level four is kinship. This is where we really start belonging. Loving believers like family. When you work together, when you go through life's pains together, when you're part and parcel of a membership of a body of Christ, all of a sudden now you're going to go to a level of kinship, relationship, that's called family. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They were like family to each other. I challenge you, As I said last week in Romans 6.13, did you all memorize it this week if you were here last Sunday? Give yourself completely to God since He has given you new life. Give yourself completely to God. But not only give yourself completely to God, give yourself to the family of God. Our memory verse for this week, I hope you'll get in on, the, on this. Be devoted to each other like a loving family. Would you read that out loud to me with me? Be devoted to each other like a loving family. Just like you give yourself completely to God, I want to ask you to give yourself and be devoted to God's family. Barna has done a study and found that most Americans today have three to four churches that they attend. They just rotate. The youth will go over here. The children will go over here. We'll go over here on Sunday mornings when we like this preacher, but we like this band over here, so we'll go over there. And So we're just rotating. What about planning yourself? What about becoming a family? What about joining and, and, and not separating? Become devoted to whatever family God has given you. What God has called you to, stay there and be all there. There was a rancher out in Texas that was... Quite wealthy, had lots of cattle, raising them. A young rancher came along beside him, couldn't keep up with his (laughs) just a head, just a handful of of cattle. He went to this old big Texas hat guy guy and asked him, "How do you keep up with your cattle? How do you keep them from running off?" He says, "You got two basic ways you can do it. You can put up barbed wire fence all around your property, and they can't leave. They can't." Or you can drill a well and they won't want to leave. You know what I hope this church is? It's a well drilling church into people's lives where people will come back because they know that this is a family of God and we're going to care for one another through pain, we're going to walk with one another through life, we're going to serve along beside one another for the kingdom of God and for the work of God. I hope that we're a well-drilling church.